When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 119. Today is Thursday, September 28th. We have an awesome show analyzing second half breakout hitters. And uh, we got a pitcher edition that we'll have to do soon, but Steve and I are going to be talking about uh, about a half dozen guys who have broken out in the second half to some extent. And, you know, right on topic with where we were at last week, basically doing the deep dive to assess if we feel this is legit, if there are changes under the hood. Uh, Only six players to talk about. It's a little bit less than usual shows, but that's because a topic like this, there's no shortcuts. We're we're rolling up the sleeves and starting the thorough off-season prep, so it's going to be a great show. Thank you guys, as always, for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Go out, give us a rating and review if you could this time of year. Much appreciated. Uh, Steve, housekeeping out of the way. How's it going, man? Good, good. It's a, I'm limping to the finish line of baseball season here, uh, dealing with a sick kid um, that isn't sleeping because she doesn't feel well. Uh, but... Yeah, running on fumes, but it but it's fine. Uh, we're we're almost there. We're conditioned at this point. Yeah. Like we, we've we've done the shows where we're like you know zombies. We've done the ones, you know, usually in March where we're like you know jacked up on caffeine and adrenaline of the season. So yeah, I've been much more tired while doing this show, uh, being that you know I've had a kid for fifteen months now. Uh, there's there's been much lower points for me so this is no big deal yeah yeah you're doing great and hopefully uh the daughter is is feeling better right in the ship and also after i uh shouted out my my dad on last week's show i do have to shout out today is my mom's 70th birthday so happy birthday to mom there while we're going through the family tree uh she's the one who's dealt with all of this fantasy craziness since i was in like fifth grade so Happy birthday, Ma. And, uh, yeah, with that, Steve? I, I can't. Shout out to uh, Mama Burnett. Uh, happy birthday. I can't imagine what it's like having to deal with several fantasy members being addicted to fantasy baseball, let alone one. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long season for the people yeah. who deal with this, too. She knows. She supports it. And, actually, you know, she, she is a saint. She grew up with a twin brother, an older brother, and a younger brother. Uh, split Cubs and Cardinals, and then had my dad, my brother, myself, all Cardinals. So I think everyone, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty much uh, as long as the baby's healthy for us, Steve, but mm-hmm. I, I think there would be a, a blessing for her sake if she finally got a girl in the family. So, yeah. Yeah, it, I find out. it's usually the opposite of what, like, you're really begging for or hoping for. Um, I was <laughs> right. kind of indifferent. Um, I'm, I'm like you. Um, but... Um, my wife's, my mother-in-law, so my wife's mother uh, has uh, three grand, had three granddaughters before um, Mila was born. So uh, she was hoping for a boy, but didn't get it. Uh, hey. And that's just the way it goes. Yeah, that's, that's you know, it's out of out of our hands. Yeah. So uh, no, that's great. So. Steve, we're talking second half breakouts. Talk to me about this topic. I know we kind of hinted at it last week. Um, And for those who missed, we were talking about certain players and you want to get excited about second half breakouts because sometimes it can lead to, you know, like a a Blake Snell or just a a guy that makes some sort of change. You take it all through the offseason into the drafts. But other times it's burnt us in the past. So I think that's why we're we're trying to 
really scrutinize this, but your your thoughts on the topic itself before we, we get into some names. Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of been a, a recurring topic for, for us on this show, and I think a lot of it's then. I, I did do a, a piece, I think, two years ago now on, like, second-half mm-hmm. pitchers that to keep an eye on. and Giolito. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that Sandy Alcantara piece. was on it um, before his Cy Young year. Um, I think there was Shane McClanahan there, too. Um, and, and it was just a useful way to, to find, like, undervalued guys for, for the next year. Um, I think we've also ran into some cautionary tales more on the hitting side, I think, because with pitchers, a 15-start sample, I think you can get a lot more information, at least information that's sticky, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to hitters where it's, you know, the shape of a hitter season, uh, just depending on when they get hot or, or, or when the schedule is in their favor or a combination of both. There's a lot more noise, um, and I think you can get caught up in smaller samples with hitters. Um, so I'm glad we're focusing on hitters here. Um, I think I have a theme sort of that I, you know, on guys that I'm excited about in the second half. Um, that you know, maybe maybe I'm I'm, lean, I'm leaning away from that. I'll I'll get into when we get when we get the names. I'll give any spoilers, but um, okay. yeah, I, I think it's a, a good process. But you just have to. Be be cautious of the fact that there is a lot of noise in small samples with hitters, and the second half is a small sample. It's only what like it's not even truly the second half of the season if you do it from the All Star break. There's less games right. in the quote unquote second half, so yeah, uh, it's a dangerous game to play. I think another thing is knowing how head over heels I, I've gone in the past couple of years over over some of these names. I think no matter what, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, but look for tangible changes, which is usually the case. Um, but also just try to look at the whole body of work because the nature of this exercise, I don't know about you, Steve, but I had fan graphs pulled up. I had the first half, second half splits, looking at a lot of stuff under the hood. And it's easy to try to see two different players there, but also looking on this show as we record, I'd also like to look at kind of the overall line and just assess does that feel right from you know any changes that were made and and start to just kind of project out what what type of player I would expect them to be for next year so yeah I think uh it's going to be fun to track the trends on this and like you said we'll switch to pitching maybe not next show because next show will be the first time that that final regular season stats have ended, so we might do kind of bold predictions, review, and uh, and chalkboard with some final numbers. But you know, if not next show, the one after, we will get to second half pitchers as well because I, I agree with what you're saying. You might see much more of a sticky change or introduction of a new pitch, things like that. So, uh, anything else to add before we we jump in and you lead us off, Steve? No, I think that's a great point. It just the the I, I think uh, and not to pick on you or anything, but like the Yasmani Grandal second half uh, is the first one that comes to mind. Like he wasn't that you know three twenty hitter he was in the second half of what twenty twenty one or whatever it was. Uh, 20, no, he might have been a two twenty. Might have been um, a two twenty hitter. Yeah, it, it, he's more of the whole year. Like a better representation of these second halves is. Um, the whole year, but if you deep dig deep into underlying numbers and and can tie process into new results, that's the way to go about it. I think. Yeah, I mean the the, the Hall of Shame even recently, and I, it took me five seconds to rattle off like Jorge Soler, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez last year. Joey Manessis last year. So you definitely have to approach these with caution, but also we're not going to ignore guys who ended on a heater, especially if it seems like a change that we would hope would, would roll over into next year or think that would roll over into next year. So Steve, lead us off here. Uh, Let's talk through the first one, what you were seeing, and then let's uh, just kind of riff on what we're thinking for them uh, in the future. Yeah. The first guy for me is Michael Harris. Um, I think we talked about him a lot as a buy low. Um, 
there was a simple process of like going to a Statcast page or, or Pitcherlist page and just seeing really red sliders and really bad results. And the first two months of the season, he was sitting sub two hundred, and you know he was touted as this, or he was being drafted as like a second, third round pick, I think, um, mm-hmm. in most leagues. Um, so there was a lot of hype coming off of a really good rookie of the rookie year where he won rookie of the year, but there was some some holes in the game. The fact that he didn't walk that much, the ground ball rate was high, um, the BABIP was high, and you know people expected a bit of power regression. And some of those things did come to fruition, especially in in the first half, or the first two months at least, where he was hitting a ton of ground balls didn't have much power, wasn't walking, um, but he was still hitting the ball hard and the process was there. Um, a lot of like the overall stat line differences can just be pointed to BABIP difference. It was a 286 BABIP in the first half, 372 in the second. Um, and last year, uh, Michael Harris also ran a, ran a pretty high BABIP. Um, I'm pulling that up right now. But... Um, I, I think there's, there's more to just writing it off to a Babbitt district and some luck and some normalization there as a guy yep. who hits, um, you know, the ball hard and has always hit the ball hard in the two years that he's been here. Um, yeah, last year was 261, his Babbitt. So relatively high it was even higher in the second half but you know there was a 10 percent power rate there 45 percent hard hit percentage and those things carried over this year the it was a 10 percent power rate 48 percent hard hit but in the second half what has me excited is the fact that the ground ball percentage went down from 54.1 percent to 41.5 percent and it wasn't an increase in fly balls it was all line drive rate it went from 14.8 percent to 29.5 percent which there's a lot of noise in line drives uh there definitely could be some regression there but if you're going to hit that many line drives that's how you're going to hit for average um and then also what's what's exciting is the fact that he's had the best power rate of his career in august and september um 11 in august and 16 percent september so um you know maybe there's a bit more um power coming because of that and especially if he could hit some more fly balls and continue to hit the ball hard and in the air like michael harris is still just 21 years old like he's still yeah, that's crazy becoming crazy he's nowhere near his prime right uh so as he hones these skills like i think they're you know i, I think people could see this 290 285 20-ish homers, 20-ish steals is sort of the, the ceiling for now, but there may be a level beyond that as he taps into to that power and starts to hit more uh, balls in the air like he did in the second half. Yeah, this is uh, this is a great one. He hits to all fields. I mean, I mean, you talked about the power upside, which absolutely is right, Steve. Like, that was what I was looking at on just, like, his month-over-month month charts, his barrel rate. Uh Rounded out the month of August, 11.7%. In the month of September, a 16% barrel rate. So I know it's just one month. You don't want to overreact, but that's the path forward to, to you know, 25 homers a, a year instead of like just chalking them up as a 2020 guy. The other thing is, I think when we saw him hit 297 last year, we were all like, oh yeah, that's going to come down. Maybe he's a 275 guy. But now that he's hit 290 on this season... And like you mentioned, the line drive rate, like just month over month, it's increased. In the month of April, his line drive rate was 10%, then 20% in May, and August, 35% line drive rate, and then 37 in September. So it's just gone up every single month to where now you look at his XBA at like a 299. And yes, the Babbitt might have been a lot higher, but also to some extent when you've got, you know, 90th percentile sprint speed, sprint speed and your roping line drives to all fields like yeah that's gonna run a high babbit so yeah what's uh i guess he was he was a third rounder this past year he probably disappointed is that fair to say um 
I think he kind of like met he landed. Yeah. Maybe people expect it's a bit of growth there uh, at that stage, and he kind of just repeated what he did in because um, he had the nineteen homers and almost like I mean yeah yeah he, he basically games, had eighty like less half a season he basically had yeah. eighty less at bats last year and did the exact same thing. Um, so yeah, it probably was a bit of a disappointment. I think he'll go around the same, you know, maybe three, four territory rather than, you know, creeping up to the round two sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. but if there's, I'm a little more interested at that price though, same Uh, because also like what's going on with the, why is he a 20 year old speedster? The only one in the majors who hasn't turned 20 steel speed into like, that's, that's where Nico Horner was last year. Yeah, more and, or less, and, 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 and now Horner is forty plus. So there could like, have been some more could, stolen bases um, if he wasn't hitting, you know, one sixty through the first two months of the season or whatever it was, too. Right? Yeah, and that good of an offense, I think. Uh, and he's still back end, right? Yeah, so he's he's the mini lead off. That that's really hurting him with the RBI total, but you should expect him to have like eighty runs. Feels like the floor. I think 2020 kind of feels like the floor and maybe the batting average is like a 280 floor. Like that's a great, you know, a, across the board, a great floor guy who could be, you know, would, you wouldn't be shocked next year if he went 25-35. No, no. He improved the strikeout rate. Um, his max EV, I know that's a flawed stat, but it's still a good indication of raw power. is top 10% of the league this year. Um, you know, you brought up the XBA. I was going to bring that up. Uh, I think that the arrows pointing up on Michael Harris in the second half was an, it was an indication of of um, some some good growth. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could move him out of that lineup spot. But uh, yeah, I think what, it, it'll um, come. I think as as you know, it, he's not going to bat lead off with Acuna, but um, and you know the fact that he doesn't take that many walks probably is, is hurting him, and that lineup is so stacked. But I think they'll you know start to move him up to like even if he's like sixth or fifth, like that's still a really good spot. Yeah, it looks like uh, just on roster resource, it looks like he's at sixth on page. Let me just pull up. I'm curious if he's if he has moved up because that would even that would be yeah. So they did they did move him up to to six at some point. And even had a, some games at leadoff. Okay, so they're not married to him being that, you know, right before Acuna thing. So uh, I, I like it. I think if he, for whatever reason, turns into like a fourth, fifth round for sure. But if, if we get a discount from third round to fourth round, that's someone that I'm kind of buying buying the bounce back with the upside. So really, really good call out. Anything else to, to add on? Harris before we shift here. No, no. I think we could go to go to your first guy here. All right. So shifting over to mine, we got another youngster here in Tristan Casas. So Casas, uh yeah, it's it's a name that we've been interested for a while, Steve. I think we we're waiting for you know a, a breakout. I've watched him really closely because he's kind of a points league specialist with his ability to take a walk. And now you look at what he's done on the season, uh, 24 homers, a 263 average, 857 OPS. And you kind of say like, that'll do. That's solid. 65 RBI, 66 runs. I know the Red Sox as a as an offense were down a little bit, but he's usually hitting cleanup. The second half though for Casas is really tempting with a, a 317 average a 1031 OPS, 15 home runs in just 54 games. So well over a a 40 homer pace there for Casas just in what he's done in the second half. A lot of that was July where he had seven homers, 1200 OPS. Uh just looking at more on the second half, that was that line that he put up was good enough for 6th in the league in WRC+. I know you called him out last week when we were talking about like Suzuki and those guys that he kind of stood out. So thought we'd do a little bit of the deep dive here. Uh, second half, again, 13.7% walk rate is terrific. Uh, a 23.7% strikeout rate is very manageable. The 365 BABIP, very high. Uh, 26.8% home run to fly ball rate. 
pretty inflated uh, compared to his first half. That that home run to fly ball rate in the first half was twelve point three percent, so less than half there. Uh, and then the fly ball rate at forty three percent, which is up just a little bit from what he did in the first half. Uh, in terms of a tale of, of two seasons, yeah, again three seventeen fifteen homers. The first half it was two twenty five average with just nine homers in twenty three more games. So we're kind of left to you know, squint and say, which, what is Casas here? And is it probably just something in the middle of these two, uh, which is, which is his season line again of like, you know, 24 homers, a 263 average. I'm a little curious because looking at like the, the end of the argument, the barrel rate did not spike at all. It kind of stayed put. Uh, his fly ball rate actually dropped in August and September. The swing and miss went up, but he's also out for the rest of the season with with shoulder inflammation where they kind of shut him down. So you kind of wonder if this August and September when he came back down to reality was early signs of this injury that's put him out. So curious your thoughts on Casas. When I look at all of it, I'm thinking he's definitely a points league plus guy. I do think there's legitimate 30, 35 homer pop here. And the average is where I'm I'm definitely not buying anything close to the 317 that we've seen in this second half. I think it's honestly even even under the, the 260 that he's put up on the season line. Where are you with Casas? Do you think he's, you know, a 250 hitter with 30 homers? Or are you more bullish on him? Um, I think that's a fair... Uh, projection for him I think he is a good back end first base target I think because of this injury and because of the overall line and cooling off in August and September I think that that'll prevent him from being like there was a point like in that July period where you know it was like Casas whoa like is he a top 10 first baseman top five first baseman maybe not that far but um there there was some some hype you know the fact that it's the major market team the red sox uh, a high prospect hitting a bunch of homers um i think the helium is sort of cool a little bit and i think that that's probably going to be right i think that he is a good back end first baseman target that may be a liability in average but is going to hit a bunch of homers um and hey, uh, you know th- there could there, there could be a few months where he does hit uh, hit for average, but the 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 strikeout and the swing and miss in his game has sort of always been prevalent, uh, even during those hot streaks. Like there wasn't a a dip in swing strike rate or anything like that that told me he's going to strike out a lot less going forward. Um, but there's no questioning the power, and I think it is more than fair that he is a good target if you want to wait on first baseman if that's where he's going to end up uh in like you know the back end of the of of, of your starting first baseman as far as ADP go yeah and just looking at like what he's done in the minors maybe I've I've got him pegged wrong just a little bit because he's actually never had like Herculean I mean yeah, he's 70 raw power, but like outside, basically in the high minors, he's never really sustained an ISO like over a long sample size that's over, I don't know, like 210, 215. So on the other hand, he actually has put up long samples of like hitting 273 uh, in AAA last season for 72 games. Um, but in that that time he just had like a, a 208 ISO. So maybe he's a little bit closer to like the Andrew Vaughn, Freddie Freeman um, mold as opposed to like, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think that just looking at him, he's six, five two forty, like drafted out of high school. He's age 23. Like sometimes it takes a bit for a power hitter for the to power. actually tap into that game. You know, their raw translate their raw power to game power. Like, I've seen enough this year, you know, the 24 homers and 500 plate appearances. 
has me buying that this is a legit power hitter. So, so you're you're buying the thirty homers. Um, yeah, I would take the over on thirty homers in a full season for for Casas next year. Okay, and then over under on two fifty five average. I will take the under on that. Okay, it's an interesting one again. It, it, like in a points league, his, his walk rate is so impressive that that's where like, yeah, he he. He gets a huge boost there. It's kind of in in like Newt Bar type of territory. Maybe like a Max so, Muncie uh, type of type of scene. Yeah, yeah, good Max Muncie. Yeah, M- Muncie's turned it around too. Yeah, I forgot he to hit some up like two thirteen. So you know, well, you and Schwebzy were uh, telling me that he wouldn't he wouldn't pull up his yeah his batting average yeah. on the season. He's yeah. really uh, making me look good here. Yeah, it's a good call. Hitting all of two sixteen on the season. So. Yeah. Yeah, had to you know had to twist a knife a little bit on that one. Uh, so yeah, Casas, I, I agree. Uh, corner infield, but, you know, if you missed out on first base, uh, I do think the Red Sox with him hitting it in that cleanup spot is kind of sneaky. Uh, runs in RBIs, so yeah, I, I I like it. I don't know if it's like a a hard target. Or anything, but I I'm probably gonna have some shares next next year. Good and it's, uh, first baseman well, parachute, I think. Yeah, and a, a volume one when we were talking about uh, some of those best ball formats as part of our learning. So as long as he can stay healthy, we'll have to watch the shoulder inflammation closely for sure. So uh, Steve, you are up next with the, another young hitter. That's kind of your early theme here, but we got to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. All right, so Steve, uh, set us off with number two over there. Yeah, it's it's Gunnar Henderson. Um, he is probably going to win AL Rookie of the Year at this point, and I think he was dropped in a lot of leagues in the first half. Uh, yeah. Uh, or at least considered by by a lot as a drop. Um, in the first half, he had 246, 340, 455 with a 795 OPS, uh, 11.7% walk rate, and a 30% strikeout rate. Um, and I think that doesn't do like the struggles of May and April justice. I'm pulling up the monthly splits right yeah. now. Well, I'll because... tell you, Steve, I dropped him in May. So anything after that is exactly Oof. where he jumped. He, he jumped from the 740 OPS to the 994. Yeah. That was days after I dropped him and I had yeah. picked him up off the freeze. In April, he had a 669 OPS and in May he had a 740. So towards the end of May there, uh, the the rest of the way, he hasn't had an OPS in a, in a month lower than 819, which was, which was August where he's still at 282. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, it does. The, the second half doesn't do really justice because his June was amazing at a 994 OPS. So that's not going to get caught up in those splits, but I'm not really too worried about those overall numbers. Um, in the second half, it's an 856 OPS, um, 13 homers in the first half in 79 games, 15 homers in 67 games in this, in the second half. Um, with six more doubles too, so a lot more power per game. But the the really interesting thing is the fact that he cut his strikeout rate by nine percent, thirty to twenty one percent, and cut his walk rate by like four point seven percent. 
um, or five or, or five point seven percent, um, eleven point seven to six point to six percent. So he got a lot more aggressive. He started swinging a lot more. Uh, I put a nice uh, rolling graph chart from Fangraphs in, into our rundown that you can't see, but um, you know, I'll, I'll do my best describing it. Um, he basically swung a lot more and swung a lot more in the zone, all while his swing strike rate basically stayed the same. So he became a lot more aggressive, didn't swing and miss more, and swung more pitches in the zone and pitches overall and did a lot more damage with those. So he was basically being way too passive. And yes, his walk rate took a big hit because of that. But I would take that trade off with that increase in power and decrease in, in, in strikeout rate. Um, and if this is the Gunnar Henderson that is here, like it, he's a fa- he's been a fantasy star for, for the second half basically since since may so uh those adjustments he did worked um and it was an amazing amazing second half and yeah sorry for you and for whoever else dropped him in may (laughs) so yeah that's the strikeout cutting strikeouts by nine percent is huge and that that is a nice graph that you pulled in here steve i guess my question is in terms of the average, first half he hit 246, second half he hit 273. Last year he hit 259 on the season. This year he hit 258 on the season. Is that right about where you have him pegged? Because otherwise I feel like uh, we were kind of expecting 25 and 10. I, I want to say that was almost exactly not 28 that he has. So I think this is more power than projections had him for. But I do remember seeing projections that were like 25 homer, 10 steal. In terms of average, does this feel about what we can expect from Gunner? Or do you think that there's room to grow knowing that he hit the, the 273 in the second half? I, I think there's room to grow for sure. For someone that hits the ball hard over 50% of the time to only have a 311 BABIP. And he clearly runs well, right? He's got a an mm-hmm. 85th percentile sprint speed. Um, the XBA does say 260. It was 250 last year, um, so maybe I'm I'm a bit optimistic. But I, I would I think that he's like a 275, 270 hitter. Um, with the you yeah, know, he just 30 the homer, 30... 10 home, 10, 10 speed, 10 steel speed. Hmm. Yeah, I was looking last year. Just had uh forgetting the sample size he played 34 games yeah, last year a month. yep so a, a month and during that time he had a 57 percent ground ball rate which is way way high this year it was a 45.7 percent um, yeah not a ton of fly balls or like pop-ups or anything like that that you'd expect to keep the average down i, I would take the over on 270 for next year for henderson oh 270 yeah okay then yeah, that's that's. Uh, what were you gonna give? What, what, did I just give myself some bad odds? What were you gonna give me as the over under for average two sixty? Oh yeah, that, I mean that's where I, like where he's been at two fifty nine. I'm just yeah. curious, like is that where we feel he is? But two seventy, if he's two seventy thirty ten, um, and, and that's age twenty three season at third base, like that's uh, a bargain. Yeah. I, I feel like that something it's like first round. If that's value. where the industry is. He's probably. Where do you think he goes next year? Does he go in the second round? I don't think so. Um, maybe he I'm, went in what, like the fifth, sixth this year? Yeah. So he's probably. I, I mean, I'd be surprised. Maybe There's where Harris good, went good last year. Still. Yeah, I think like middle, back end of the third, third. round. Okay. Uh, and if he if he falls a bit, which guys his age usually don't, but yeah, I, I would be in on that. Um, yeah, that's and, and and it's a name that probably burnt enough people and because he's turned things around now industry leagues will be you know sharp on all this but i think in like home leagues his name's got not going to carry as much buzz because i think a lot of people did see him on the wire this year and probably aren't uh you know privy to the fact that he cut his strikeout rate you know in thirds so uh yeah that's a good one there for gunner uh, similar themes for my second one, Steve. First of all, coming right off of the Max Muncy victory lap, 
now I got to flip to the other side of this because we had a board bet at one point where I was bagging on Juan Soto saying, I, I think I said that he would not be a, uh, was it second round or like top 18 guy or something? And you were like, oh, I'll take that bet. I think he's done enough in the second half to where he definitely will be. Uh, the second half, he had 20 homers, hit 290, and had five steals. Uh, the first half, he even righted the ship from the first couple months where he had 15 homers, six steals, a 265 average. So really the biggest difference here is five more homers, and uh, 25 points on batting average. So uh, what is Soto doing beneath the hood? The biggest thing I saw, Steve, is that it's actually the similar to Gunner. The swing rate for Juan Soto, a guy who walks 20% of the time, he walked 15% of the time in the second half and struck out 5% less. So I did a similar thing you did with Gunnar Henderson and looked at his swing rate. It rose month over month since May. Uh, The chase rate flew up in the second half, which usually is a bad thing, but the chase miss rate dropped. So while he's chasing more, he's hitting more balls. The launch angle went way up as well in the second half, which we all know the ground ball rate is is an issue for Soto. So this is another really good example of like a guy who's almost the hallmark of, you know, plate discipline finally at some point just said like, I'm swinging and I don't want to like overreact because Soto is Soto, but to see his batting average jump 25 points, his BABIP actually dropped uh, 25 points and he, and he still had 25 points of gain on the batting average. So He's doing things right. Um, and yeah, I'm just, uh, the hard hit rate followed as well. It rose 6%. So very interested in what Soto did in the second half. Curious if it's going to roll over. But overall, now when you look at basically the, the season line and him reaching 35 homers, 11 steals, I know that uh, strangely enough, those numbers don't like jump off the page with the things that like Acuna is doing and everything. But when you look at a, a 276 average, 35 homer, 11 steal, like I'm starting to warm up to Soto being like a top 10 pick for me. And maybe that's too high, but uh, I think I'm back in, Steve. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think I would take him around there. Uh, I think last year is just an outlier, especially in the second half. He had that back injury and that really hampered him. He had the trade where like, you know, the, the organization like leaked information about his contract negotiations with he was upset about. So the, I think that was just a one-off and this is like who Juan Soto is. Like it's no PS above 900 again, like well above 900. Like That's I, I think what we have come to expect from Soto and sure there may not be ever like a 45 homer season in there, but and he's got 35 this year. And I think there's some room for for batting average improvement, like you said. Like there's been a bit of bad Babbitt luck. His XBA is 282. Um, you know, uh, he, he doesn't hit, you know, so many fly balls that, that you would expect a a, a bad um, a bad batting average or anything like that. Um, you know, there, yeah, I mean, there could be some more line drives, which is a bit of a noisy stat too. Um, as far as year to year, uh, that could get above two twenty percent again, like it was in twenty twenty one and twenty nineteen. Um, so uh, I I think that Soto was undervalued this year, and potentially could be undervalued next year again. Yeah, har- highest hard hit rate of his career, uh, most homers of his career. The barrel rate is back up to where it was in twenty twenty one. When, you know, that was the season he had 29 homers and hit 313. So, yeah, I think that uh, there's enough here for me to, to be back in. So, and sure, I, I the strikeouts have gone yeah. up, but it's still just 18%, which is crazy for it to go up 4% and still be really, really good. Yeah, I'm fine with him being being more aggressive. And honestly, I mean, even in 5x5, five five, we talked a little bit about for someone who walks that much, you're losing batting average when they're not swinging. 
just because they're they're walking so much and you don't get that stat in in five by five. So yeah, yeah, eighteen percent walk in five by five is much better than like the twenty two percent in twenty twenty one. Like that's a that's yeah. a that's a big deal. Yeah, you'll take it. Uh, so we got two more here, Steve, and and going back to you, and then. I don't know if you saw, but mine's kind of a wild card that we're rounding out with. But we'll take our second ad break, and we'll be right back. All right, so Steve, I uh, feel like this guy's on the uh, the WAF first team or second team. We've talked about him for several years, but talk to me about Francisco Lindor here. Yeah, I feel like we we talk about him a bunch because of similar things, like slow starts, disappointing first halves, and then like there hasn't really been a year maybe other than 2021 um, where he was like an overall disappointment, but Lindor kind of did it again. Although it's in a weird shape because like his OPS has, was higher in the first half, but he hit just 239 in the second half. He had 265 um, with 17 stolen bases in the second half for 13 in the first. Um, And I think it's just like mainly BABIP driven and, I, I don't know. Lindor is a, a polarizing player. Like I always have people texting me like, like what's up with Lindor? Like maybe because I'm in New York and a lot of people are Mets fans. Um, like, is he just not that good? And it's like, no, he, he is good. And like, he has a 30, 30 season. He just had two, three homers today in a double header. Um, and, and if you, you know, you would have listened to like New York sports talk radio in the first half or in April and May, uh, with Lindor, that would not have been the case. Um, you know, maybe he's just a slow starter, and maybe this is more soft analysis, and there's nothing as far as like hard hit or strikeout rate change. Like those all look the same month over month. But I think people need to understand that Lindor is not like this 280, 290 hitter. He is like a 250, 30 homer guy that you know probably has a bit closer to an 800 OPS rather than 850. But it's still a really, really good fantasy player. Like he's thirty stolen bases and only caught three times this year. Um thirty homers after hitting, you know, twenty six last year. Um maybe he's just the post all star break target, post April May target. Um again, I, I wish there was some more um, you know, change in fly ball rate or hard hit rate, but yeah. they all really look the same. And they I think do. that's yeah. just because uh, maybe it's just a reminder to be like, look at Lindor's baseball card over the last three years, and that's what he's going to be at the end of the year, uh, at, at least while he's you know closer to thirty than he is to forty. You know. Yeah, and it's it's um, maybe it's easier to look at Lindor this season versus last in terms of tweaks uh, because. The ground ball rate last year was forty three point five percent. It's dropped to thirty four percent. So he he's basically raised his fly ball rate by four percent, his line drive rate by four percent. So that's tangible. But you're right, Steve. Like when you look at uh, month over month or first half to second half, it's impossible to see anything that like to to our he was unlucky analysis. in the first half. Like- I yeah, know that's, that's lazy, pretty much it. He was. He was unlucky in the first half. I mean, again, year over year, his barrel rate's up a little bit. Um, so his, I guess I didn't realize too. So yeah, 28 homers, 30 steals. I think one thing that's that's tough about Lindor, it's, it's nice to see him taking advantage of the new base running environment because at age 29, like if that part of his game went away, I think he would like a huge part of his fantasy value would as well. For sure. That's, so, that, that's true. Yep. Yep. But you know, he's not 33, right? He's 29. We know he's a gamer. Um, and his XBA on the season is like 249. Yeah, man. He's, he, he has been polarizing in recent years. A 230 average, a 270 average, a 252 this season. Like, I think my, the hard part for me about Lindor is I don't know what, I don't know what version we're going to get. It usually ends up being like a B plus production. Um, but I feel like it's been 
quite a while since we've seen him be like a, a fantasy all star, right? Yeah, it's probably been. Since I don't think he will. I, I don't know. I mean, he has a thirty thirty season this year. Is that is that not he? Because he hit another homer tonight. Um, you know, is two fifty thirty thirty with you know a hundred RBIs and hundred runs. Uh, a fantasy all star. It's pretty close. Well, let's see. I mean, because the steals, like what, tw- uh, 30 steals that he has this year is kind of what 20 steals was last year. Sure. You know? Sure. So I guess like looking at Carroll, Witt, like those are the new power. Sure. Speed, he is the second the tier. For, he has a tier down from that. Definitely. Yes. And then, you know, J-Rod, I'm just trying to go down the list here of like, well, yeah, so I guess he's still, like, top 15 on steals. And then when you pair that with 28 homers, the 250's not really hurting you or helping you. And then 90 RBIs, 101 runs. Yeah, it's it's kind of the season Tatis Jr. had. Yeah. Um, or t- not not too far off from, from Trey Turner. When you look at Turner, just had 76 RBIs. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, so, kind of casting into draft season, is he just like a vanilla? I think he's firmly like a good option third? In, in the second tier of shortstops. And there's a big so gap third, between third, that fourth, first tier of shortstops, don't get me wrong. But I think he's a great option there if you miss out on, on those. Yeah, I think he'll be there in the fourth round with how many like exciting players there For, are. Yes, agree. And he could be a nice little, yeah, like you said, a, a glue piece. Um, and the 30 steals is better than, you know, this isn't like a Xander Bogarts. It would be nice. I just feel like for the hitter, like how seasoned of a professional he is, I would love if he could, uh, you know, easy to say, would love if he could just kind of like solidify the average a little bit. Because there was a five-year stretch where he was 300, 273, 277, 284, and then it's just been in the past five years where he's kind sure. of averaged out yeah. as like a 245, mm-hmm. 250 hitter. And that's kind of annoying for a guy you who's You would hope veteran. the shape of his career, if he is going to stay a fantasy second-team all-star, let's call it, yeah, that when the steals wither away, the batting average and power, the batting average goes up and power remains, right? Like if he yeah. became like a 285... 30 homer 10 steel guy you know that's how he would prolong his fantasy stardom i don't know if that's possible but that's what yeah what, and, what, and, and I, but i don't evolve. see the steals going away like next year you know? no not next year and and can he can he take a step forward again on power like i know the 28 will take but it wasn't just rabbit ball 2019 like he had he had 38 homers in 2018 yep like it would be like we've just seen him do it in every category, but he, it's been a long time since he's done it in all categories at once. So, yeah, I, I think maybe there's upside when you look at it that way. But um, yeah, uh, if nothing else, I do think he's a solid uh, kind of like third team fantasy okay. all star. Okay, so fair, yeah, fair. you can you can deal with that. Yeah. But there's yeah. there's a little upside. So uh, okay, so rounding off for me, Steve. Uh, you know, coming off of the, the Grandal burn, it was one of my lessons learned <laughs> last year that I think along with you, that we didn't want to be too early on catcher or too late. Like we wanted to just kind of shop from the bargain bin a little bit. And I actually did have some Cal Raleigh shares and I hated those shares in, in the first half. <laughs> and he's actually put together a second half. On the rundown, you'll notice I actually put the ellipsis, the three periods after his name, because I was so depressed that I was going to like end the show talking about Cal Raleigh. But the more I dug in, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested here. So let me try to sell you. Uh, let's start with the first half. It was not pretty. Uh, a 223 average, but the real issue was the 701 OPS. Because you're not really signing up for, for him to be a high average guy, but you want that like Kyle Schwarber... You know, I'll, I'll take the hit on average, but I need a lot of pop. Just 11 homers in the first half, 701 OPS. In that time, he had a 270 BABIP, which wasn't terrible. So, 
that's not encouraging for the the 223 average. Uh, the 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 strikeout rate was down actually to 26 percent, but the home run to fly ball was just 12.6 percent, which is very low for a slugger like him. Uh, now let me talk about the second half. Second half, he hits 250 from an average standpoint, which is you know more than you're signing up for at the catcher position. An 867 OPS thanks to 19 homers in a shortened second half. Uh, the strikeout rate actually creeped up from 26 to 30 uh, percent. The BABIP was at 286, which isn't too egregious for that 250 average. It's encouraging. It was the homer to fly ball rate, which doubled. And you kind of say, is that all luck? Well, I don't think so because the next two stats are really what caught my attention. His fly ball rate in the second half was 52%, which was ninth in the MLB, the lefty pop. And then the pull rate was fifth in the majors at a 56% pull rate. Look at those numbers compared to the first half. He was 40th in fly ball rate before going up to ninth in the majors. And then the pull rate in the first half was 40th as well. And that went up to fifth in the majors. So... You know, this to me just starts to suggest a little bit of an approach change where I'm looking at this and thinking he he went in with the formula of like, I've got to hit it in the air. I've got to pull it. That's what I am. I, I've got no problem if that, you know, if I'm selling out for power in that way, but it actually helped the average quite a bit. So I'm not saying that I'm, I'm going to pull a, a grand doll here or reach too much, but the 30 homers and, and a 235 average this season, I think you would look at and say, like, job well done, Cal Raleigh. You got me my 75 RBIs, 76 runs. I don't care about the 235 average. I love the 30 homers, and that's been in the 140 games. I think if he can carry over this approach, it's not – and you can't forget that in, in 2022, he had just 119 games and he had 27 homers. So I'm starting to think that this could be 35-40 homer territory. And yes, the average might be somewhere between 230-240, something like that. But for a, a slugger at a at a catcher position, he's just 26 years old. Got a little excitement over here about Cal Raleigh. Uh, what do you think? I am buying the power. I think that, you know, that approach change is legit and tells a great story. Um I think he is a guy that is always trying to pull the ball in the air and pull it hard. I am not buying uh, the average. Like everything that he does, even with that approach change in the second half, um, the increase in K rate, um, the swing and miss uh-huh. that's in his game, um, I think a 286 Babbitt is a bit high. And the fact that he, hit, he he's hitting 235 may get people a bit too excited this year. Uh, I think that. Much, it, I I think I would buy his 2022, which is still really good. You know, 27 homers and 417, but I think that average is going to be around 200, um, just for Raleigh, just with the amount of of of, of chase, uh, swing and miss, the amount of strikeout, um, and you know he does walk a decent amount too. Um, so I I think that I love the power. I believe in the power. I think it's. You know, there he has the best nickname in baseball too, Big Dumper. Um, I think that he definitely could be, you know, a thirty-five homer, forty homer catcher. Um, but I think it's going to come with um, an extremely low average, like close to two hundred in, in my mind. But I, I still think that he's that makes him a good target at a catcher, despite that. Like as long as you're willing to know that I don't I think 235 is the high end for his average okay so you are are you taking an under on uh 220 yeah I would take the under on 220 oh man all right all right let me look at this here I think he's like a 215 uh, hitter so last year the XBA was 216 this year it's two two thirty. 230 uh yeah, the story. I mean, season over season, it's a better story on the case because his sure yes, he went from a thirty five percent K rate to a twenty nine point four to a twenty seven point nine, but I know second half that's looked worse. Uh, 
Yeah, swung, I mean, and, swung and missed less this year overall. Swung and uh, less whiff in this game. Um, chased around the same, but but yeah, I mean, there's some Mike Zunino in in here, but he does get. I'm curious. I don't know if you got his Fangraphs page up. Like, is is Kyle Raleigh DHing as well? Uh, he's a really good framer. I have that on his Savant page up, but I, I, I think he because the 140 games is pretty high for a catcher. Yeah, yeah, he's got to be playing uh, some DH then too. I, w- I would think. But okay, yeah, so the, uh, and, 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 maybe maybe that's a bit of uh, a high end on his playing time too. Like, is he yeah, going to get five fifty plate appearances again next year? Um, that's especially a good point. if the Mariners like try to improve on the margins there. All right, you're, you're talking me down a little bit. A and little bit. I still is, think he's uh, a good te- catcher target. Well, and catcher's getting it's getting better and better. So true. I don't think there's going to be the tax that there always has been. So I, I still think you can get Cal Raleigh in a similar range of like you know, well after pick 150, I would guess, which is which is where you you grabbed him this year. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just it's something to think about. The the barrel rate it goes without saying is, is well above average at 13.2 percent barrel rate this year. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just dismissing that. I think a lot of people will remember the first half because that's how fantasy works, and that was really underwhelming. It, it's been really encouraging to see him hit 250 with 19 homers in the second half, even if that should have been more like a 240 average or something because the Babbitt was a little sure. high at 286. Um, yeah, especially guys yeah. that, uh, you know, Cal Riley, great catcher, sleeper target, 27 homers and just uh, 415 plate appearances next year. Like, you know, and you see six homers and 160 in, in May. Like, people forget about that real quick, you know. Um, they move on from those those supposed sleepers uh, that they mm-hmm. get burned by and, and miss out on the second half like this. So I, I get that sentiment as well. Yeah. Yeah, and most of the damage comes comes against fastballs. Like he still has a lot of struggles against uh, breaking and, and change ups in terms of like swing and miss and stuff. So yeah, he's he's got work to do. But he is just twenty six, so I'm I think I'm in as as a little parachute catcher there. So I like it. Um, nice. Well, that that rounds us out, Steve. Uh, what are we thinking for next week then? Are we are, are are you in on bold predictions chalkboard or do you want to do uh let's uh let's talk offline we can either do that next week and do pitchers next week or, or vice versa um down for whatever uh, maybe since it is an official end of season we we should do more of a wrap up show um but we'll we'll keep our options open for now okay and in terms of your trend, Steve, you teased it early on, but I'm not sure I ever heard you say uh the trend on yeah i i I think more of a track record right like I don't want to just base things off of one second half. I know Gunner might have been a bit of an exception, but he is like the top end prospect, right? And we yeah. had even a bit of a sample last year. But you know, I'm much more um, confident in a guy that I'm not just putting all their ba- eggs in the basket of of the second half next of one one season and one second half, right? Like you know, Lindor has been a first rounder. Um, in years past, uh, Michael Harris, we have two full seasons of this now at this point. Um, I guess Gunner is a bit of an exception, um, but mm-hmm. hey, he's Gunner Henderson, so uh, two out of three for my for my for my trend there. Yeah, yeah. There's the the exercise alone made me look twice at, at names that I I kind of had pegged in my mind what type of player they were, which is the whole idea. So. Uh, love that, and I think actually, Steve, we've we've got a Discord shout out that we got to include here as well before we. Wrap oh yeah, that's right. So we got a we got a shout out from the Discord. This is uh, Zethan, uh, but but his team, uh, Zoidberg, basically they won the league. He won his home league and running away, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm just pulling it up now. Yeah, not not even close. Ran away with it. Got a lot of praise in the Discord. Of course, everyone sending sending congrats there. And yeah, last year he won as well, which is huge. But I blame Zoidberg. Runs away with it. And he attributes 
some of his success to Stav and Van underscore verified for the draft advice preseason from the WAF podcast. So, uh, Zethan, congratulations and uh, a sincere thank you from uh, the WAF team here for tuning in and uh, making us look a little better since we ourselves didn't win our home leagues. Yeah, that, that just made my day um, reading that post. So, um, glad we were able to help out at least one person. Hopefully, it was, hopefully it was a few more. Uh, so, but that put a huge smile on my face and makes it, you know, I, I love doing this and it makes me love it even more. Yeah, and that and there's there's your plug, guys. Uh, sign up for for Pitchless Plus. Hop on the Discord. You got access all day. Can ask any fantasy questions. Can ask QB list questions for fantasy football as well. Uh, but yeah. That wraps us up, guys, for episode 119. We will be back uh, next week and the week after before we get into the every other week schedule for offseason. But it has been a great season with all you guys. So, as always, thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.